Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. And it came to pass that John Doe went to see his pastor. He sat down with his pastor and said, I need help. What do you need help with? I can't seem to do what I really want to do. Where do you notice this? All over the place in my life, but especially in my relationships with my family. With my wife, things aren't good. There's nothing awful, no affair, anything like that, though I'm worried about the future. But it's just I come home, I'm irritable, tired, don't want to talk. She wants to talk. I just want to watch TV and forget about everything at work. Have you tried to change? Many times I want to change. I've made promises. I've made decisions. I've sketched out plans. But I just can't change. I need help. So tell me about your relationship with God, your spiritual life. Spiritual life? <laughs> no, I don't have much there. I need help there, too, because I try, and I reach out, and I don't get anything back, and I don't know, go to church, nothing happens there. I really, I don't know what to do. I can't sense the presence. In fact, you know, Pastor, what I would like? I would like it if Jesus would come and sit in front of me. If we could go out to eat together, sit across the table from each other, talk with each other. I wish I could hear from him directly. I think that would make the difference. Well, <laughs> you know, John, there were people that did that when he was here, and it didn't turn out so great for them either, running and betraying and denying and I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just know this. I need help. Have you been to that place? That place where you recognize you need help. You would love to have the strength, the ability, the power to change, to grow, to mature. You would love to have the vital, robust life with Jesus that some seem to have. But despite all of your good hopes and intentions and plans and promises, it just doesn't happen. So what do you do? Where do you go? Where do you turn? I'd like to talk with you this Sabbath and the next two Sabbaths about the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize when I say the name Holy Spirit, there may be many different images that come to your mind, and a lot of what comes to your mind is uncertainty. 
J.D. Greer, pastor of Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina, and president of the Southern Baptist Convention, says, The Holy Spirit, for most of you, most of us, is like your pituitary gland. You know it's there. You're glad you have it. You don't want to lose it, but you're not sure what it does. That, he says, is the Holy Spirit for most of us. And what Greer says is borne out just by perusing Bible commentaries and reading passages on the Holy Spirit. I found one this week where the theologian, the scholar, said this. He said, when it comes to the work of Jesus, the importance, the centrality of Jesus, virtually all Christians are united. Now, they may have different thoughts on exactly the theology of what happened at the cross or the nature of Jesus. They may have questions and disagreements on other issues, but as to the work and the centrality of Jesus, no question. But, he says, raise the name Holy Spirit, and it's as though a fog descends. I don't know. Well, I think. Well, I've heard. Well, I, I don't know. It's like my pituitary gland. <laughs> Another scholar says this. He says, you can read large amounts of literature from many denominations and never once encounter a reference to this third member of the Trinity. A great deal of confusion about the Holy Spirit. I don't presume to answer all those questions. But I do ask that you join me three Sabbaths, as we consider what John in his gospel writes that Jesus spoke with his disciples about regarding the Holy Spirit. We go back to a section we've spent some time in already this year, that period of time right in the last few hours of Jesus' life as he is opening his heart to his disciples in a way he maybe never did in any other context. Those chapters, John 13 to 17. They get a glimpse into the heart of Jesus that is profoundly intimate. Interestingly enough, John makes reference five times to this spirit called the Advocate. The Advocate. Four times in his gospel, once in 1 John. We're going to look at the gospel appearances of that word. So we begin today in John, the 14th chapter. Now, before we read the passage again, that was read so well for us just a moment ago. I want to just say, watch for two or three things as we read. First of all, you will notice that this passage is packed. It's pregnant. It is filled and brimming with theological themes that are very deep. It's not an easy passage to sort through. But you will notice that at least three themes rise to the surface. You will see that love is there. Love for God that is manifested in, and this is the second theme, obedience, a word that's not very popular these days. Love and obedience are tied closely together, and they make their presence deeply felt in the passage. The third reality that you'll notice is there is a deep intimacy between Jesus and his disciples, between God and his people. It's as though Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want to move into your house with you. Those themes are there. But I would suggest that the one that draws them all together is the theme of the advocate, the Holy Spirit. So let's read 
John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father and I will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I invite you to focus in on two realities, two simple realities, that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, brings to us as disciples of Jesus. I want to go back and reread one verse. It's a verse right near the beginning of this particular section of Scripture, which gives us an insight into the work of the Advocate in our lives. It's verse 16. Notice again what it says. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever. Another Advocate to help you. The Holy Spirit brings the power of Jesus into our lives. The Holy Spirit brings the power of Jesus into our lives. I will help you. You can imagine the disciples on that evening being overwhelmed with uncertainty about their future. How would they ever be able to carry out? How would they ever be able to accomplish the things that Jesus was talking about? Not to speak of becoming the kind of people Jesus was calling them to be. We can't do that. We need help. And Jesus says, he promises them, he says, I will ask the Father, and he will send another advocate to help you. The Holy Spirit brings the power of Jesus into our lives. I so often have the sense that it depends on me, that it depends on my effort, my work, my promises to myself and even to God. I love the story, maybe you remember it, of the father trying to move a large piece of furniture across the living room floor. It was exceedingly heavy. He was putting his shoulder to it, trying not to topple it over, and trying to move it, pushing, heaving, hoeing. His four or five-year-old boy was sitting there watching him. 
And finally, he went over and he squeezed himself in under his father, between his father and the piece of furniture, and he too began to push and to heave and to hoe. They managed to move it two or three feet. When they stopped and the son turned around and says, Dad, you're getting in my way. <laughs> I love that story. I hate that story because that's my story. Feeling as though it depends on me. I'm the one that needs to do it when the reality is there come moments in time when I simply cannot. I need a helper. My wife often refers to the Holy Spirit as the expert helper, a phrase that she drew from a commentary she loves. The expert helper. Have you been to that place? I need the expert helper. I'm like the man who says when we're driving down the road and have car trouble, we stop. I don't know what to do, and that's me. If I'm driving with Anita, there's car trouble, I get out, I open the hood, I look at the engine. I have no idea why I do that. It's pointless. What am I doing? I'm looking at the engine, shaking this and touching that, and I mean, if the engine fell out, I'd get back in and say, well, the engine fell out. We lost the engine back there somewhere. Anything short of that, I have no idea. I need an expert helper. Somebody who knows not only what to do, but has the ability and the power to do it. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. The Father will send you another advocate to help you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to change you. I've watched it happen. In the lives of people I know, I've watched it happen over years of time. Somebody who has just kept coming back, asking, please, God, do with me what you will. Please send your spirit into my life. And I have personally witnessed people. It hasn't been dramatic, but a slow, inexorable movement toward a person that can be characterized as a mature disciple. He has the power. The Holy Spirit rarely does that in a moment or a day or a week. But the Holy Spirit working in our lives continuously over our lifetimes changes us. If you say about someone here at this church, certainly if you said this about me, if you say about someone who has been that way, been that crotchety old person for the last four decades, that's just who they are, that's a failure of that life to open itself to the power of the Spirit of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit brings to us the power of Jesus. I will help you. R.A. Dickey might be a name you know, and it may not be. I'm not as familiar with that name as I would be of certain other sports names because I'm not an aficionado of baseball. But R.A. Dickey was a pitcher. He played, played for many years 
was drafted in 1996 by the Texas Rangers who offered him a large contract. Life was going well. The future was exciting. Everything was coming up roses. He was a committed Christ follower, and that meant the most to him. But this, the opportunity to play baseball, this is what he was made for. He would go on to win the 2012 Cy Young Award, top award given to pitchers, win it in the National League. But back in 1996, before things ever really got started, his agent said, the manager wants to talk to us. So they went in to see the manager, and the manager said to him, R.A., I'm sorry to tell you this, but your physical revealed an anomaly in your right elbow. We're withdrawing our offer. That was like a punch to the gut. I want to read you R.A.'s words as he, as he describes what happened. He says, I try to take in those words for a second or two. We're going to retract our offer. I don't feel devastation or even anger. I feel rage, complete rage. It feels as if it starts in my toes and blasts upward through my body like a tsunami into my guts right up through the top of my head. I want to tell Melvin, the manager, I want to tell Melvin about how this is the one thing that I can do right and that makes me somebody. I want to make sure he knows that he's matter-of-factly dropped this atomic bomb on my baseball career, on my life. But it's as if there's a strong hand on my shoulder holding me back, giving me pause. In that instant, I have a self-control that wasn't there a moment earlier. I hear a voice, relax, I've got you, relax, R.A., it's okay, I've got you. And these are R.A. Dickey's words, the voice is the Holy Spirit. I was just talking to God in prayer, and now he's talking back, giving me a composure that could not have come from anywhere else. The tsunami passes. I am crushed by Doug Melvin's words, but I'm not going to do anything stupid. I've got you. The Holy Spirit. All of those hopes and plans and dreams that John Doe has to be different in his family and his work with his wife. Ellen White in Steps to Christ says they're like so many ropes of sand unless we have the power of Jesus. And Jesus says, you will have it because I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to send you another advocate to help you. So this week, tonight, Ask that that spirit might be poured into your heart, into your life, and that that help, that power that is so deeply needed will be available to you. That you will hear that voice saying, I got you. I got you. That's the first thing the advocate brings to us. But we go back to John 14, Back to that same verse again, John 14, verse 16. Read it with me again. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. So much in this passage has to do with that word with. 
The advocate will be with you forever. So when you have that experience in your spiritual life of saying, I don't know, it's like I'm all by myself. I'm, I'm trying and I'm, I'm, I'm desperately hoping, but I don't sense the presence of God. Jesus says, I will send you another advocate to be with you. It's curious, the Greek word. It's curious also, an English word that has been used to translate the Greek word. The Greek word is paraclete, paraclesis. It's the word that, that gets translated here as the advocate. It's a word that there's been some uncertainty of how to translate as given evidence by the way different versions translate it. Translated here in the NIV by the NRSV, the NLT, translated as the advocate. Others translate it as the friend. Others translate it as the helper. Others, like the King James Version, translate it as the comforter. That's an interesting word, the comforter, because what we get from that is the Holy Spirit comes to bring us comfort and solace in our sorrow. And certainly the Holy Spirit does that. But that's not the core meaning of either the Greek or that English word. When the King James Version translators translated that, that word came from a Latin word, fortis, which had to do with bravery and power. It was descriptive of someone who encouraged others to bravery and to strength and to power because they were with them, they were beside them. The Greek word comes as a warrior term. It's a term that describes that, that comrade in arms who fights behind you. You're fighting this way. This comrade is fighting that way, has your back. If you're an NFL fan, this is the quarterback's left tackle who protects you, who is there to let you know you don't fight alone. I'm here. I'm in this with you. And that is our advocate. Even the term advocate means somebody who stands beside you, who comes alongside you, who is there to help you, who will not leave you to stand alone. That's the advocate. That's the comforter. That's the friend. That's the expert helper who is ever and always with us. But friends, we have to provide space for that helper to be able to do his work in our lives. If we're always living in the rush and the crush and the hustle and the bustle of life, we simply will not hear the Spirit's voice. Ever since the time Elijah ensconced himself in a cave, and could not find the presence of God in the wind, the earthquake, or the fire, but did find the presence of God in the still, small voice. You look at it in Scripture. Ever since that moment, you want to find the presence of God, you better have a dead stillness, to use the term from Elijah's story. Before that, Thunder and lightning and earthquake and fire, even in Elijah's life. After that, still and quiet. The next time God revealed himself, it was in the cry of a baby in Bethlehem. 
So if we rush through life and say a prayer with a hand on the doorknob, expecting the Spirit to let himself known, to say, I am with you, I got you, we won't hear it. Will not happen. It takes times of quiet on the mountain with God slowing down the rush of my soul and creating space in the stillness for the Spirit to say, I'm with you. Sometimes that only happens in moments of difficulty or pain. I wish I didn't have to say that. But somehow it seems like those are the times that we really do slow down, that we really do begin to pay attention. It's been, I don't know, 10, 12 or so years ago. Something happened in my life. It was a really difficult time. I was really struggling with this. My wife, as she always is, was just a rock struggling and trying to find God through this and understand, Lord, wh where are you? And I, I want you to be with me. I want to have the assurance that you're walking here. One day I went into my office at home, and I found a little note on my desk. It said, Dad, I think you ought to listen to this song. It might speak to you. It has to me. Signed by my then mid to little beyond teenage son, Austin. The name of the song was Praise You in This Storm by Casting Crowns. I want to read you some of the words of that song that I listen to and listen to and listen to. I was sure by now, God, you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. And once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You never left my side, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in the storm. Did you catch those lines? I'm with you. You never left my side. And I listened to that in the quiet and just soaked it in. And over a period of time, there was that growing sense again 
of God's presence. And I thanked my father. And I thanked my son. Because Jesus promised it. I will give you another advocate to be with you forever. It's curious he says another advocate, isn't it? You see, John uses that word paraclesis five times, four times in his gospel, once in the first epistle of John. And in that case, it refers to Jesus. Jesus as our advocate. Jesus who the one that is the one that has our blind side. Jesus as the one who is with us in all the circumstances of life. But now Jesus has chosen to identify himself so profoundly with the human race that he is limited. He cannot be everywhere at once. And so he says, I'll send you another advocate. And the wording in that verse in the original scholars say, while it refers to another, it also underlines this, the similitude, the similarity, the sameness between them. So he's saying, I'm sending you another one. He's just like me. I am him. That advocate will be with you. I'm limited. He is not. He'll be with you from Maine to Montana. He'll be with you from Moscow, Idaho to Moscow, Russia. No matter where you are, he will be with you forever. But we just have to slow down and take silence and stillness to begin to hear the voice of God. And so Jesus makes the promise. I want to suggest to you, I want to invite you, friend, if your name is John Doe or if your name is Mary Doe, hopes and promises and failures and disasters. And you just end up saying, I need help. Take Jesus at his word. He's made the promise to give you help, to give you a helper. That helper will minister to you the power of Jesus. That helper will minister to you the presence of Jesus. So take him at his word. Ask him to come, to give you his power, to grace you with his presence, that your walk with Jesus will be all that he intends it to be. I, he says, will ask the Father to give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever.